When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and I are going to be telling you almost everything you need to know about mountain bike shoes. When we first started looking at this topic, we thought it was going to be kind of boring, but we found out a lot of interesting stuff about mountain bike shoes that we're excited to share. So I want to start off by talking about clipless pedals and how that came to be. So originally in the really olden days, there was a system that involved a strap and a slot that was actually in the sole of the shoes. So the pedal had sort of a pin on it and people would slide their slotted shoe into the pedal. And then there was a strap that would then go over the top of the shoe to keep the shoe from sliding out backwards. So it's hard to kind of hard to explain on a podcast, but if you can't imagine it, the biggest problem was that when you stopped riding your bike, you had to lean down and actually undo the strap to get your shoe out, uh, which sounds pretty tricky. There was also, at the same time, another system that was out there that involved what we know today as uh, toe clips or uh, more of like a cage, a toe cage that was on the end of the pedal that riders would slip their foot into. A lot of times these cages also had a strap to keep it on the shoe, but people realized quickly that, uh, this system also wasn't that great for getting in and out of, um, especially on mountain bike trails. And so that's where the clipless pedal came in because it got, it did away with that toe clip system. Right. Yeah. Cause with the toe clips, you know, you are firmly attached to your bike and inevitably when you're mountain biking, you're going to crash at some point and it's kind of important that the bike maybe doesn't go with you. But with toe clips, bikes going along for the ride. So it's going to bend your ankles and knees and legs in all kinds of ways that it shouldn't be. And your bike's going to, you know, your saddle's going to smack you in the back of the head, just further adding to the embarrassment of crashing. Yeah. And a lot of people, particularly it seems beginning riders, uh, still use toe clips today on mountain bikes. And I think part of the reason maybe is, I mean, they're pretty easy to understand how they work. You know, you can see that you just kind of slip your shoe into the, the cage. And then if you need to get out, you know, it's easy to just jerk your foot back. Um, and it doesn't really take a lot of practice, but again, yeah, like you said, they're not, not really ideal for most mountain bike use. So what are some of the characteristics, Aaron, that you would say are important for a good mountain bike shoe? Well, I would say first and foremost, you want to talk about comfort, you know, so just like with any kind of clothing, every brand is going to have a little bit of different fit to it. So it's best to go somewhere that carries a bunch of different brands of shoes so you can try on as many as possible. You want your shoe to be snug, you know, but you don't want it to be too loose. You don't want it to be too tight either. A loose shoe, it's going to allow your foot to move around while you're pedaling. That's going to hamper your pedaling efficiency. It's also going to make hike a biking more different because your heel is going to constantly want to lift out of your shoe. You're going to rub holes in all your favorite socks. So that's not cool. 
And then a shoe that's too tight, it's obviously not going to be comfortable for any extended period of time. Right. And also for mountain biking, especially, you're going to want a shoe that's really sturdy and durable. Um, something that, you know, the tread is going to stay attached to the shoe and that it's not going to rip, you know, if you're getting too close to rocks or things like that. And you mentioned hike a bike and that's honestly one of the hardest things on mountain bike shoes and what makes them different from road bike shoes. You know, if you're buying a pair of shoes for riding on the road, chances are, those shoes aren't really going to touch the ground a whole lot, you know, just when you're like walking to pick up your bike. But if you're on a mountain bike, chances are you're going to be walking and hiking around and stuff. So you want a really durable shoe. Yeah, most shoes are going to use some sort of faux leather type material. I think there are a handful of companies that actually do still use real leather, but most are some synthetic leather and they're going to have reinforcements around the the toe and the heel kind of high wear areas or high abrasion areas. Yeah. Another thing you kind of mentioned when talking about the fit and the comfort is the stiffness of the soles. Uh, mountain bike shoes are different from say like running shoes in that the sole is meant to be pretty stiff. And a lot of people might mistake that for discomfort or, or it being an, uh, a stiff shoe being an uncomfortable shoe, but that really is a important part of bike shoes, right? Yeah. I mean, specifically when we're talking about clipless pedal shoes here, a stiffer sole is actually going to be, believe it or not, I think it's more comfortable in the long run. Cause if you have a really flexy shoe, you know, your, your foot is constantly deforming and it's just not as efficient when you're pedaling. And you can really, if you rode back to back, if you rode you know, a very inexpensive entry-level shoe with like a nylon shank in the sole and then you rode some high-end carbon-soled XC race shoe, you're going to immediately feel a difference in the power transfer and how efficient that stiffer sole is. Yeah, and you mentioned, you're right to mention that uh, we're talking specifically here about clipless shoes, but there are more flexible shoes that are people use for mountain biking. We call them flats. And in that situation, the pedal is the part that's actually providing that stiff platform. So either your pedal has to be really stiff and wide, or you're going to need a shoe to have that stiff and wide platform built into it. So what else? We got closure systems. What are some of the closure systems that we see on mountain bike shoes? Every brand does it a little bit different, and even some brands offer multiple different ways. The basic ones, you know, you have Velcro. Just simple Velcro straps, maybe two, maybe three, depending on the, on the shoe. Velcro gets high marks because it's simple. It's durable. It's really easy to get on and off really fast. There's nothing to break essentially, but you do maybe have to adjust the fit a little more often, especially if your shoes get wet. You may find yourself constantly throughout the day cinching down your shoes. We have laces, just straight up laces like you'd find on your shoes on your feet right now. You don't see a ton of them on clipless shoes, but there's a few models out there, mostly on the higher end of the spectrum, I'd say. They're easy to use, you know, they're because they're laces. We use them every day. They're highly adjustable, so you can really tailor the fit to your your foot cheap to replace. So that's good. Um, if you do tear, tear your laces up or you want to put in some funky, sweet rainbow laces or something, you can do that. Uh, you know, just make sure you tuck your laces out of the way when you're riding because if you have ever gotten some laces tied up in your chain ring, 
you know that can not end well. Probably the most common method that we see apart from Velcro is the ratcheting buckle though, and then they use one or two Velcro straps in addition. You know, the ratchet buckles, they allow you to fine tune the fit in certain areas. They're generally at the top of the shoe, but you know, buckles can also be kind of fragile. They're very small. They're generally made out of plastic. You know, I've ruined my fair share scraping them against roots and rocks. And, uh, you know, they can also pack up with mud and debris, which can make getting your ride or getting your shoe off at the end of your ride a little difficult. I've definitely gotten back to the car and had to find a stick or something to work some mud out of my buckles so I could get my damn shoe off. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're starting to see BOA and BOA style closers. So this is like a dial and lace system. Boa's been around for a while now, and they they use their fit for they use their system on all sorts of things from footwear to helmets to packs to who knows what they're putting it on. So you're starting to see this. It, it kind of when when they were first introduced to the market, you kind of saw the this style closure on only the higher end shoes, but we're starting to see them pop up at lower and lower price points. And Boa style is cool because. You, know, you can really fine-tune your fit, and it's pretty quick to get on and off as well. Yeah, you mentioned price, too, and sort of the order that you listed these different closure systems sort of goes in price. So if you're looking at like an entry-level shoe, a lot of times it'll have like three Velcro straps. Then a more expensive shoe might add a single ratchet or a boa, and then you know you still have a couple of Velcro straps. And then most high-end shoes will have all ratchets, systems or they'll have like all BOA system closures. So that can kind of give you an idea of how nice a pair of shoes is. All right. So what about weatherproofness? Is this common in mountain bike shoes? I feel like we go through a lot of wet stream crossings and things like that. And a lot of times our shoes don't keep our feet dry. Yeah. Generally shoes are designed for warmer climates, you know, or warmer temperatures, you know, you just your typical off the shelf trail shoe. they tend to use a lot of mesh. They tend to use lots of breathable materials, quick drying materials, which is good because, you know, you are going to go through some creeks. So you want to be sure that your, your shoes aren't holding in a bunch of water for the rest of the ride. Cause that just you know, is going to make your feet unhappy and it's going to smell horrible when you get done. <laughs> you know, there are Winter specific shoes, just about every major brand now offers at least one winter shoe. And these are going to be insulated and many of them are waterproof. The kind of drawback is they can be fairly expensive. You know, a good winter shoe is probably going to be $200 or more, but you know, proper winter gear shoes in particular are really going to increase your enjoyment of riding in bad weather. And the kind of the good part is, you know, if you, only have to use them, you know, maybe three months or so out of the year, or even just a handful of rides here, like in Georgia. I think I probably only had to wear my winter shoes twice this year. You know, they're going to last you for years and years. So it's not like you'll need to buy a new pair of winter shoes every winter, unless you live in Alaska, and then you should move. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, a lot of the shoes or most of the shoes that people are choosing are more designed for summer riding. And so they are ventilated, but there are options out there. So people will buy shoe covers uh, to keep their toes warm. Basically, there are plenty of solutions to kind of cover up those vents in, you know, winter months or for cooler rides. 
Um, and some shoes even have different uh, inserts, sole inserts that you can put in. So they're insulated and do a little bit better job of blocking the cold, you know, coming from the bottom of the shoe. So if you're not ready to go full in on buying a pair of winter shoes, there are sort of shoe accessories you can get to um, make your existing shoes a little bit more durable. Okay, so another thing that makes mountain bike shoes unique from other cycling shoes is the inclusion of tread and spikes. What do we know about those? So, yeah, most mountain bike shoes are going to have big lugs on the bottom, so it's going to look like a really aggressive hiking boot or something like that. However, you know, the materials those lugs are made of, they can range from hard and plasticky to, like, nice, squishy rubber and again you know going back to hike a bike and kind of your terrain and where you ride if you are spending a lot of time pushing your bike up the hill then you're going to want something that's comfortable to walk in and something that's going to provide grip on wet roots and rocks and you know hiking through creeks so while a shoe may look like it's going to have a ton of grip you actually need to need to see it and feel it in real life and see if those knobs are actually they're hard and plasticky they're not going it, to it's going to be like trying to walk on ice skates you know once you're off the bike so generally those are just more for aesthetics on those type of shoes you know kind of to differentiate them from road shoes i guess cuz you know you have very high end stiff cross country race shoes where you know, they're very purpose built and you're not going to be hike a biking during a cross country race. So it doesn't really matter if the lugs are soft or not. But for any other kind of riding, like actual trail riding and who knows what you'll see kind of rides, you're really going to want something with a, with a squishier uh, lug to it. Yeah. And one other thing that a lot of mountain bike shoes have that road bike shoes don't have is the ability to screw in spikes. So these are short little spikes that you can put, usually it's just on the tips. There's usually like two of them uh, that you can screw in at the top of the shoe uh, or at the toe rather. And these help you with, you know, really muddy conditions. I, I've personally never used any myself, but I could see maybe, maybe for like cycle cross or something like that. Yeah, that's generally what they're for. It allows you to have, you know, the ability to run up a muddy hill. You can get some, some really good grip with your toes. So in this discussion, Aaron and I are mostly talking about cross-country style uh, clipless pedal shoes here, but we also need to mention a lot of people are running shoes that are known as flats, and these are usually from companies like 510. 510 is one of the original companies that was making shoes like this, and they're known for a particularly sticky form of rubber on the tread on their shoes. And this works really well with flat pedals um, because it keeps your foot planted on the pedal and you're not going to be sliding around on the pedal itself. And once you're off the bike, the shoes are like regular shoes. You can kind of, they, they're really flexible, like we said, and they don't typically have a lot of lugs on them, do they? They're, they're just flat. Right. Yeah. They tend to have very minimal tread because you don't want big blocky lugs because that's going to interfere with the interface in between the pins on the pedal and the bottom of the sole. Yeah. So if you've ever seen like skateboard shoes, uh, that's kind of the style that they are. So one final characteristic I wanted to mention was that some shoes are vacuum or heat moldable, which helps you get a better fit on the shoes. So 
the shoe, you know, they'll design it to be sort of oversized and it has a material that once you heat it up or put a vacuum on it, it actually shrinks the material down to your foot. So I had a pair of shoes like this from Louis Garneau that you basically, you put, you literally put the shoes in the oven, like at 200 degrees or something, got them real nice and toasty. And then you put them on your feet and like ratchet them down and just sit there like at your desk for an hour or two as the, the shoes cool down. And then once you do that, the shoe is like, it's almost a custom fit. Shimano does a similar thing, but again, they use vacuum technology. And so you got to go to like a special store that has one of these machines and you get the, the shoe sucked onto your foot. So it's kind of cool. All right. So we've kind of touched on this throughout this discussion, but there are basically a couple of different styles of shoe, right? So the first one we'll call cross-country shoes. What What's sort of the characteristics of these types of shoes? That's going to be emphasizing low weight and stiffness above all else. So again, these probably aren't the best kind of shoes for hike-a-biking, uh, general trail riding, at least an XC-specific shoe. Okay. And then the other main style that we've been talking about is flat shoes. So again, these are like skate style shoes from companies like Vans and 510. And then there's something that's kind of in between. I'm not really sure the best way to term it, but these are shoes that look sort of like regular street shoes, but they have the ability to run cleats in them and which makes them clipless shoes. How would you describe those shoes? Uh, some of them are marketed as enduro shoes, but they're just basically trail riding shoes, you know, so they're probably the best solution for most riders out of the, out there. You're going to have aggressive lugs on the bottom, but they're actually going to be soft. So in the inevitable hike a bike moments, it won't be sketchy. They're going to have a moderately stiff sole. Uh, so when you are pedaling, you're going to have pretty good power transfer. And then they're going to tend to be a little more robust, whether that's, you know, some increased ankle protection or just, you know, rubberized toe cap or something like that. They're going to be built to withstand a little bit more abuse than your typical XC shoe. Yeah, I've always wanted to, you know, be able to wear these sort of hybrid types of shoes. And I've tried them in the past because they, I mean, they just look cooler. They don't look as geeky as like the usual XC shoe, but I've always found they're just much heavier for one. And also it's, I mean, it's almost like wearing a pair of hiking boots. Like you look at them and you think, oh, those would be comfortable to walk around in. But like you said, they still have to be stiff. And so I'm always kind of disappointed that they're not, you know, like my New Balance or, you know, Nikes to walk around on the trail. We should get you a fresh pair, man. They have, I will say, um, I agree with that. That used to be a lot heavier, but in the past couple of years, a lot of manufacturers have worked to get those weights down. So I do have my current pair of shoes is a enduro trail style shoe, and they are barely heavier than my previous XC shoes. So, and they have the added benefit of not being sketchy to walk in. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to try those out sometime. All right. So again, we've been talking about the two main styles of shoes, flats and clipless shoes. So Really quickly, what are some of the pros of flat shoes? Because I feel like that's there's slightly less people that are running those. And so maybe some of our listeners aren't really familiar with the benefits of them. 
Well, with flats, it's nice because you can just jump on your bike and go. You don't need any special shoes. So your bike's already ready to ride no matter what. Even if you got your flippy floppies on, you just grab your bike and ride. I'm a big fan of people learning on flats because it, it forces you to learn proper technique. Whereas with clips, you can kind of fake it. Oh, yeah, I cheat all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like if you, you know, if you think you can bunny hop, with you know but you don't you never tried it on flats you may be using your you know you may be using the pedals as a crutch to help pull the bike up you know pull that rear wheel up when you're bunny hopping but you can't do that with flats so it really teaches you the fundamentals of riding that when you do ride if you eventually switch over to clipless pedals you'll just be that much farther ahead whereas going the other way it's a lot more difficult so i actually like to switch back and forth between the the two throughout the year and kind of depending on what bike I'm riding. And flats are fun. You know, you can put your leg out in the corner and feel like you're riding a moto. And so there's a lot to be said about the fun aspect of flats. Yeah, you make a good point that you can get your feet on and off the pedals a lot easier with flats. I think that's something that a lot of people don't consider. So what are what are some of the disadvantages or rather what are some of the things that clipless pedals do better than flats? Well, especially in technical terrain, clipless pedals, you know, you're, you're, you're clipped to your bike. So unless you, you know, pop your foot out or crash, you're going to be attached to your bike. So you can hit really chunky sections of trail at speed where, you know, maybe if you're riding flats, your, your feet would eventually get beat off the pedals. But with clipless, that's not going to happen. And the other kind of advantage I would say that uh, clipless have over flats is in technical climbing. Climbing in flats on a really technical rocky trail is hard. It takes a lot more concentration, takes a lot more power. Uh, you really got to kind of plan your moves out beforehand as much as you can. That's not always possible. And, you know, if you kind of get hung up on a route for a second or spin out, like your foot can just shoot right off the pedal and then then you have to come to a full stop. Whereas if you do that on a bike with clipless pedals, you can kind of track stand for a second and regain your momentum and get back on the gas and keep going. So I would say technical climbing is definitely where clips have flats beat. Yeah. And I noticed you didn't go so far as to say that they were more efficient for in terms of pedaling or climbing. And there is definitely a big debate about that. Um, just ask James Wilson what he thinks about that. But, but yeah, some people find that it helps their technique a little bit. Maybe we could say that being clipped in versus again, it's, it's a crutch. Admittedly, it's a crutch to be able to be clipped in because it lets you do some things that you need a little bit more technique to do with flats. And that's not to say you can't do it with flats. It's just right. that you need to be on your game a little bit more. So now that we have that settled. All right. So what are, <laughs> what are, settle that debate. End of story. Yeah. So what are some tips for using mountain bike shoes? I know one tip for me is this has happened to me a lot, but I'll, I'll lose a single bolt out of my cleats and mountain bike shoes use a two bolt system unlike road bike shoes right where they use three bolts mm -hmm. so if you're on your mountain bike and one of those bolts works its way out uh, your cleat is basically just going to be spinning freely and which means you can't unclip from your pedals and this has happened to me before 
And, you know, it really sucks if you're on technical stuff, but even when you're done with your ride, you're back at the car. It's so awkward. You have to like take your shoe off and it's still attached to the bike. And people look at you weird when you're driving down the highway <laughs> with a shoe attached to your bike. But, uh, yeah. So my tip is you can put a uh, blue Loctite onto the threads of your bolts that go into your cleats and this will prevent them from working their way out. You can also just put a little bit of extra muscle into it when you're tightening them down, though this has also come to bite me uh, in the butt when I'm trying to change my cleats out and I strip the hell out of the bolt heads. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, losing a, a cleat bolt sucks. I've been there too. So yeah, blue Loctite's a good tip. I, I use um, Teflon tape, just a little, you know, little one or two tiny wraps around that itty bitty bolt. And that's really worked well for me over the years. And talking specifically about cleats, I would say, yeah, make sure that you are changing them regularly. You know, don't wait until your cleat is totally worn out and you've worn the bolt heads away and then you have to drill out your cleat because that sucks. I've done that too. Done that. (laughs) As far as other tips for your shoes, you know, if you want to try to help keep the funk down uh, after your ride, pull out the insoles and, you know, undo the buckles or straps or whatever and let them air out. Another good tip for drying your shoes is to just take uh, newspaper, wadded up newspaper and jam it into your shoe and that'll help uh, dry it from the, the inside out a little bit faster. So that'll help keep the keep the funk down. Yeah, I like that tip. I need to remember to do that. If only I had a newspaper. I haven't seen one of those in years. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk specific shoe recommendations. Aaron, which mountain bike shoes do you like the best? You know, I really like Shimano shoes. Uh, I've, I've used them for years. They fit my feet very well, and the fit has been consistent across models and years, which I really like. So you know, that means... Every pair of Shimano's that I bought have been size 46 and I bought both mountain and road shoes from Shimano and they feel the same. So it's not like one year you order a 46 and it fits great. And then the next year they update the shoe and you order a 46 and it's too tight. You know, I really like that their fit is consistent year after year. And I think they provide a pretty good value. They, Shimano, if you look at the number of shoes they offer, it's pretty incredible. And they don't really have names either. You know, in typical Shimano fashion, it's like <laughs> numbers. It's like the SHM809 or whatever. They're not very sexy names. So it's kind of hard to be like, go get this very specific Shimano shoe. But, you know, they have everything from the entry level shoes we were talking about, you know, that have you know, three Velcro straps all the way up to the heat moldable Boa dial, you know, $400 XC race slipper style. So broad range of, of, uh, prices. And I think they offer a good value. Kind of the only drawback to the Shimano shoes, I would say is their buckles tend to be a little bit fragile. Maybe it's just me, but the buckle is located, you know, kind of high up on the shoe, but off to the side. So on the side of your foot and, I just always end up dragging them on roots or rocks and mangling these buckles and they're like 25 or 30 bucks to replace these little buckles. And that's if you can find them. So yeah, it's always, it always takes some Googling and eBaying and Amazon and to, to find a replacement buckle. And then yeah, like, you know, $30 will be a quarter of the price of the shoes, which is kind of crazy just for the buckles. 
Yeah, I found the same thing. I had a pair of the original Pearl Zumi X Project shoes that pretty great. Um, they felt a little bit narrow in the toe box, but you know, they worked as advertised. They were pretty flexible when you're hiking off the bike, but they're still really efficient. But anyway, these shoes, I had only worn them for a few months when I ripped one of the buckles off. And because the shoe was so new or maybe they never really sold a lot of the shoe, I couldn't find a buckle. So I literally have these shoes that are like 80% new <laughs> and there's no buckle and no way to, to use them. So yeah, bike companies, come on, standardize these buckles or, you know, make them easy to replace because that kind of sucks having to throw out a pair of shoes just because you rip a buckle off. Yeah, just use the same buckle every year. Right. And like you said, I think some of the companies are starting to do a better job of buckle placement because they are hearing from so many mountain bikers who, you know, rip them off by getting too close to a rock or a tree or something, you know, with buckles on the top. And it seems like a lot of the BOA systems, maybe they're just based on the design, they're able to get them higher up on the shoe. But if you can get it on the top of the shoe, it seems like it's kind of out of the way. Yeah, I tried a pair of uh, Cat Likes shoes last year, and I really liked those. You know, they had a f- similar fit to Shimano's. They had a little more room in the in the toe box. The Shimano's, for me anyway, are not tight by any means, but um, I did enjoy the little extra wiggle room that they offered. And they did they used Boa closures, and that was actually the first first time I had ridden a mountain bike shoe with Boa closures. Like my snowboard boots have them, and you know, I've seen them on other things, but. First time I had ridden with the Boa closures, and I, and I really liked them. They used two dials, and they were located like you you were saying, like more towards the top of your foot. So they were out of the way of things that will rip <laughs> buckles off your shoes. <laughs> yeah, right on. So I have to say, one of my favorite pairs of shoes was from Louis Garneau, and it was a shoe called the T Flex Three Hundred. It was that heat moldable shoe that I tried out several years ago, and Eventually the shoe wore out, I don't know, a year, maybe two years later, but they stopped making the shoe. Unlike the Shimano's, it seems like these smaller companies kind of cycle through different designs and different models every year. And so, yeah, I was bummed that they stopped making it. But I actually have a pair of T-Flex shoes in for review right now. They're nothing like those old T-Flexes that I tried several years ago, but, but so far I really like them. They've got the BOA closure on them and... They seem to be pretty wide. I guess I tend to have a wider foot. So they're more comfortable than those X-Project shoes. The only drawback is the price. They're 325 bucks. Yeah. So that's kind of a lot, but hopefully they'll last a long time. And the, the other thing is the BOA closure on it. I don't think we mentioned, but BOA has lifetime guarantee on their closures. I'm not sure if that means the... The closure itself, you know, if the little dial breaks, I'm sure they'll fix that. But if it, if you rip it off your shoe, they'll probably blame Louis Garneau and not <laughs> and not Boa. So I don't know. I don't know if that really helps. But yeah, I'm interested to see. What about Aaron? You ride with flat shoes from time to time. Which are your favorites of those? Well, as we said several times, kind of five ten. There really aren't that many companies making flat pedal specific shoes right now. I think 510 has just cornered that market so well. And, you know, they've done such a good job with the rubber and their shoes hold up well. You know, they're, they're well made. They're, you know, a decent price. So 
we saw Tiva try to get into the flat pedal market a couple of years ago, and they seem to be relatively successful. You know, I saw a lot of people using their shoes. I, I had a pair for a while and really liked them. The rubber wasn't anywhere near as sticky as the 510 stuff, but, you know, some people uh, maybe like that. It allows you to move your foot around on the pedal a little bit easier, whereas the 510 rubber, you know, once your foot is in position, it's kind of locked on until you lift your foot off and move it. So, you know, if you're coming around a corner and let's say like you take your foot off and then you put your foot back on the pedal real quick, but it's not in the right spot. And then you hit like a technical section and half your foot's hanging off the pedal. You can't just drag your foot over to where it needs to be. So that's kind of, I don't know, maybe one of the drawbacks to having rubber that sticky, but the, yeah, 510, they just, they make great shoes. So that's what I ride when I'm running flats. Because the rubber rubber is so sticky, does it tend to wear out quickly? It's surprisingly durable for what it is, but you will, if you're riding a flat pedal with some really aggressive pins on it, you'll start to notice after a while little little chunks of rubber missing, but <laughs> that's the trade-off. Right. Well, speaking of the durability of those types of shoes, how long should a pair of mountain bike shoes last? How much mileage do you usually get out of yours? Yeah, well, that totally depends on how much you're riding and, you know, you're, the area you're in and what kind of terrain. If you're hike a biking a lot, that's obviously going to make your shoes wear faster. You know, our own Greg Heil is very hard on shoes. Yes. He seems to go through at least a couple pairs a year, um, in their abbreviated season <laughs> in Colorado. So yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's totally subjective, I guess. But a reason I like the Shimano's is because they are, they've proven to be durable. I tend to get an entire full calendar year out of a pair of shoes. So that's, you know, 365 days, not talking about just a single season here. But, you know, I also use those shoes for mountain and road bike. Stopped using road shoes a couple of years ago after some of my road rides, I like to hit trail or go check out something cool. And if you've ever tried to walk around in road bike shoes, it's uh, it's sketchy. So I was like, yeah, well, why don't I just use mountain bike shoes and I can walk around like a normal human being when I'm not <laughs> on my bike? So I ride about four or 5,000 miles a year in between all my bikes. So that's about what I get out of a pair of shoes. And generally the Shimano's hold up in terms of, you know, it's it's not like the stitching coming apart or a strap breaking or anything like that. It's just the shoes, they're, they're just worn out. Like, you know, if you compare the shoe on day one, like the stiffness to the end of the year, like, you know, maybe out of the box, I can't even, I can flex them barely, you know, and then after a year I can almost fold them in half. So <laughs> you lose a lot of that pedaling efficiency and I start to notice when I have any pain like in my foot, that's usually a sign that my, my shoe's blown out and it's time to replace it. Right. So yeah, it totally depends on how you ride, the types of trails you're riding, how often you ride, how much hike a bike you're doing. So yeah, everybody's going to get different mileage out of their shoes. So just because you only get half a year out of yours doesn't necessarily mean the shoe is bad. It just means you're really tough on shoes right. because somebody else might get two or three seasons out of that same shoe. So it all does just depend. And like Aaron said, you can take care of your shoes to make them last a little bit longer by making sure that they're dry and clean after every ride um, and that sort of thing. So cool. 
We hope everyone has enjoyed this discussion about mountain bike shoes. If you want more info, be sure to check out Aaron's excellent article titled How to Choose the Best Mountain Bike Shoes that has a lot of the same info and photos and more details as well. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate us on iTunes. We have 33 reviews on iTunes, despite having thousands of listeners. So Tens of thousands. Yes. So if you're one of our listeners and you're enjoying it, just take like 10 seconds to give us a five-star review. That would really help us out. Yeah, five stars only. <laughs> no. Tell, tell us what you think of the, the, the podcast. But yeah, your feedback will help more people find the Single Tracks podcast. So do it. It only takes a second. Yes. Cool. That's all we got this week. Talk to you again next time. Peace.